The following is a special three-part series examining the impact of gun violence in our communities. Listeners may find some of the content disturbing and emotionally challenging. Listener discretion is advised. The Gundemic Part 2, A Mother's Grief. What happens when high school students decide our topics, ask our questions, tell our stories, find our voices? It's the Face to Face Podcast. All right, here we are together once again on the Face to Face Podcast Network. And today we are joined by Mia. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good. All right. You brought some special guests today. Yes. Who's with you? My mom, Coco. Coco, how are you? Shake it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you could join us today. And then uh, who's this gentleman right here? Darius? You're back? Yes, sir. I'm back. All right. They, they, they had me back. I they don't had know. you back. That means, what does that mean? Does that mean? Is that a good thing? I just think it means I write the checks. That's a good thing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. Thank you, Coco. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So, Mia, what are we talking about today? Gun violence. And I have a question. So, how would you explain gun violence, Mom? You know, it's crazy because I never got asked that question at all since my son passed away. But in my words, I don't know if I could explain gun violence because it's been a lot going on. I think all the guns need to be put up, to be honest, as far as innocent people getting killed and murdered. And it's sickening. It is. Okay. What would you tell your kids? Well, us that have been in a serious situation like that, what would you tell us? Well, one of my kids already been through this situation. So it's like I really wish I could talk to him and rewind all this just to make it a little bit better. There's really nothing I can tell you guys about it besides be safe and protect each other because people out here is not going to protect you guys. Like, you guys will protect each other. As far as... Letting you guys know that gun violence is not the way to go. It's not the way to live. Like I said, I wish I had more time with my son, but with him being a victim of gun violence. Yeah, I think a little bit of context to this, and there's a reason why Mia has chosen this topic to talk about with their mom, because this is a, a situation that has... Uh, really hit home to the family and really hit home to our entire school community because Coco is a mother of a child that was lost to gun violence. And I think that's a big reason why you decided to do this topic, right, Mia? Because it's something that your home has had to deal with every day since August. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's been real hard. So, you know, Coco, it's really up to you how much you want to get into that because I know you like talking about your son and I know you like talking about his memory and I do too. And at the same time, it's really hard to have to relive that moment over and over and over again. Yeah, it's everyday life. Everyday life. Everyday life. But I think that's something that when we were celebrating Levante's life is something that I know that you've been really committed to since you lost him, since we lost him, is to address this topic head on. And it's not easy when you have to carry that burden and that wound with you all the time. Next question. Do you think it's going to be a while for you to heal? 
Yeah, it's going to be a lifetime. Only because I don't get to call my son. I don't get to see his face. The hurt is still going to be there. I can't tell every single mother that's in the same shoes as I am that everything's going to be okay because it's not. The healing process is going to take time. It's going to take a long time. And in my case, I don't think I will ever hear from this because I wasn't prepared for this at all. Really wasn't. And I have to look at myself as you had five and not four kids. So the healing process is actually, it tears me down more than anything. So, No, I don't think so. You know, I think one of the things, Anton, you're, you're a dad. I'm a dad. Coco's a mom. But I think for you, Mia, to understand, and I think for people who are listening too, and anybody who's a parent knows that feeling, like you don't really know what fear is until you have a child. Because then you really sense what the pinnacle of fear is, and that is losing a child. And that's something that your mother is grasping with and coping with. And it's an unimaginable feeling unless you're in it. And it's something that everybody is absolutely just most fearful of avoiding. And I think that when parents, particularly with teenagers and how they kind of, you know, conflict with one another and you're like, why are you always telling me what to do? Why are you always telling me to be safe? Why are you always trying to do this, that? Why are you always trying to get involved in my life? It boils down to this. It boils down to safety. It doesn't boil down to control. We cannot imagine living a life without you. And that's that pain that Coco has to carry every day. And I know that's a pain for you too, Mia, as your, your brother. That's a pain that you have to carry too. You know, with this whole situation with my son being gone, that I done seen it tore my kids up where they're so damaged. And i be damned if I sit here and I say that everything is okay because it's not. Because we go through stuff as a family that I don't see in too many families. And just watching my kids grow up with their brother and just get it taken just in the blink of an eye, it messes with me every day. And I really wish none of this would have happened. I really wish people would just be smart when they do have weapons. With the person that did it, I do feel like revenge on him I, I i do it, it is a it's a lot it's a lot that bottles up to where i do feel like i'm gonna explode and my son is a good kid and just to get his life taken at a young age it just really don't make sense to me so i have to have my kids go through this on a day-to-day basis it breaks my heart a lot because they're not just going through it but i am too and now it's like there's a lot of kids out here really have questions that I can't answer. A lot of kids my son has put an impact on that I can't even see face-to-face. I can't look at these kids in their eyes and be like, everything's going to be okay because it's not. Because it's a lot of kids that look up to a lot of people that's been through this whole gun violence. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. I think you're bringing up a really good point because while the gun violence had absolutely the most direct impact on Vontae, I mean, look at all of the other manners and how it's affected it. That one loss, that one split-second decision, and look at all of the different kinds of consequences and how many people it's affected. I mean, it's affected an entire community, and specifically your family, which you're talking about day in and day out and what that's meant. And here in our face-to-face academy community as well, and Levante's friends, it's a ripple 
and his ripple was massive because he impacted so many people because he was close to so many people because he was inspiring to so many people and to have that extinguished i think that gets really to some of your comments about can we as human beings do we even have the ability to have these kinds of things in our hands because these are some of the choices we're making when we have them right do you think this topic gun violence could change people's lives if they keep talking about it more or do you think it's just going to stay the same? You know, it's a lot of people in the world that's talked about this for ages now, and there's really nothing happening at this point. The only thing that's going to happen is if we get everybody together, get everybody to be on the same page and know that this is for real. Everybody takes gun violence as it's it's just gun violence. <laughs> and it's not fair. It's not fair to the people that's already lost their lives behind it. It's not fair because everybody think it's okay. And you get a lot of people out here that just play around with guns, especially children. It's not good. To be honest, I feel like if it was ever going to get better, it would have got better. It would have never gotten worse than what it is now. I never thought in a million years I would ever, ever have to sit and talk to so many people about this because I've seen so many moms go through this, and I just never thought I was ever going to be that mom to go through it. So talking about it, I like I said, I feel like the whole community needs to get together and we need to make something out of it something positive out of it because this is just tearing people apart it really is everybody just needs to put the guns down it's not going to solve nothing it's just going to put pain in people's hearts it's just going to bring evilness to everyone's family it's not cool god didn't put you on this earth to kill he put you on this earth to save and protect and there's a lot of people that don't understand that yeah i mean i think it's very discouraging to not only have the personal experiences, but just to read the headlines and the news every single day and to see these things continue to happen over and over and over and over again. And I think one response to that is to say, what evidence is that things are going to change? Because the evidence just shows that while it's out there and families are every day being impacted and hurt, and that's a hurt that they're going to carry for a lifetime through generations, that somehow we still can't come together and figure things out. And in fact, not only that, we seem to be going in a direction where it's easier for people to be able to get a hold of a weapon. And that's a really interesting dynamic because we're making it easier for people to get a weapon because of this idea that, well, if I have a weapon, that's going to keep me safe. And so that's kind of what it's come to. So it is really discouraging to have all these happenings all around us and all these impactful things and just seeing that there isn't a whole lot of change going on. That being said, I think we always have to hold on to hope. And we always have to have these kinds of conversations. And I think that it matters that you, Mia, and that you, Coco, are sharing your stories. Because I think if you share your stories and you're willing to share your pain, it has impact on people. And it has impact on people that are listening. And it makes them have to confront this and to say, what if I were in this position? What if I was the person who lost someone that was so near and dear to me, to something that was totally and completely senseless, to somebody who had a gun and shouldn't have had it? He was the last person who should have had that. And he snuffed out a life that was just so bright and had so much left to give to this world. And I just hope that you sharing your story can allow people to just see this from a different perspective and to see it from a mother's perspective and to understand what that loss means and that we would make the choice to say willingly that 
I'm going to put that gun down. I'm going to figure out another way to deal with my conflicts, with whatever may be going on inside of myself that causes me to want to act out violently. What are my other ways of handling those emotions and feelings that isn't going to radiate and ruin so many lives, including your own, including your own? The people who do this will never be the same. Their families will never be the same. There is a mother out there of the person who pulled the trigger who looks and says, how can my baby do that? And that's a pain that they have to carry, too. You know, one thing, me as being a mother of five, four living children, while we're actually sitting here, I just want to let you know, Mia, that regardless of what situation it is or whatever the case is, I'm always going to protect you because I don't need to lose another child. That's why I push you to do better. That's why I make sure that you make it to school because this is not just something I want, but this is something that your brother would want. And just to make a change and to show people that you're doing something for the better, it makes me feel a whole lot better. And it actually makes this whole gun violence situation a whole lot better for me. Every day I do cry. I do. And... Just to have to be a mom to go through this and still have to worry about the other kids that she has, all I could say is me being your parent, that's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to protect the best way I know how to prevent this from happening again. I can't afford to lose another child behind somebody else's anger or however they're feeling. I just can't, you know, and it's like, I was mad at you when you choose this dang on topic. <laughs> I was because it's like, why? But I completely understand why you chose it. And to be honest, I thank you for it because a lot of things that I don't talk about when it comes to your brother, a lot of things that I don't talk about when it comes to the situation, a lot of things that I hold inside, a lot of things that I feel like nobody has to hear my voice when it comes to this. And, and to be honest, I feel like everybody needs to hear because this is just not my family that's going through this. This is everybody, day-to-day basis. There's mothers out here still grieving over losses that they took over 10 years ago. They're still grieving. They're still going through it. They're still dealing with the situation at hand because their loved one's not here behind somebody else's senseless act. It's not safe. Every place is not going to protect you. You're going to have to try to protect yourself while you're out here. When I'm not around you, when Darius is not around you, when nobody else is around you and you're out here by yourself, you have to learn how to protect yourself. So that's why I start with you guys at an early age. So y'all know that when this when this day comes, you guys will know what to do. You know, we was in a whole nother state when all this happened. So I feel like me being a parent, I'm going to be here and I'm going to stand here 1,000% next to you guys and make sure that nothing happens to you guys because I really wish I could have did that for your brother and I can just be a parent and be like, okay, he's safe. And I just want to say, I think you did do that for Mia's brother. I think you did that for your son. I think you did that for Vante because I think he had all the tools. You gave him all the tools. And I saw that because I saw how he conducted himself day in and day out just with a tremendous amount of respect, a tremendous amount of integrity, and that he held his head high. And this is the hardest thing for us. And I think this gets back to, like, we have to grapple this as a society because I think Levante is an example of somebody who did everything right and that you're a mother who gave him the tools that he needed to do everything right, and yet here we are. We still are sitting here in this situation, and that's just that's a failure. That's a failure of the society and the community. That's a failure 
and we failed Levante, and we failed other young people out there, and now you're facing the burden of that failure. And it just does seem like it's something that we have to, with intention, work on every day to seep the violence out of our communities and to teach people how to deal with their conflict in a way that doesn't turn to violence instead of glorifying it. Because this is the aftermath. There's no glory in that. There's no glory in any of this that happened. You've got a young man who, who had his entire future ahead of him who was going to do great things. I saw it in his eyes. And then you have the person who did this and his family and everything, and that's gone and ruined too. Now they still get to live and breathe on this earth. And we hope that he lives and breathes on this earth for the rest of his life in jail because that's what he deserves. But nobody comes out of this with any kind of glory or winning. Everybody here has lost. And that's what people need to understand because I think there's so much glorification up to the moment of when it actually happens. And then the aftermath, what they told you, that was a lie. There's nothing good that came out of it except that you just ruined a bunch of people's lives, including your own. And then you have to carry that burden. And a lot of mothers out here that blame the other person that took their kids or their loved ones. To be honest, I'm different. I blame myself only because if I was not in South Dakota and I was here in Minnesota, I could have protected my son how I was supposed to protect him. And to know that I didn't do my job, it messes with me 100%. I get a lot of people tell me, don't blame yourself for it because you didn't have control. But as a mom, as a young mom to five children, can't explain to me to not blame myself. Because if anybody else was in my shoes, they would blame themselves as well. And to know that my son can't be here doing this whole podcast with us, it messes with me a lot. And to know that I can't blame Mr. or whatever the case is, I I feel like I can't blame him. And I feel like I blame myself for it because, like I said, if I was here to protect my son, none of this would have happened. If I would have just stayed on the phone with my son and told him to go a different way, Maybe I could have prevented it, but I'm not God. I'm not God. I can't predict the future. I can't let you guys know what's going to happen five minutes from now. I can't repair it. I can't feel like my life is going to be better because it's not. So much of me just wants to tell you that it's not your fault, Coco, you know, but but I know, and it's not. But I know where you're coming from, from a parent's perspective, because I would say 100% of the time, the parent, and in particular, the mother is going to carry that weight, because we spend so much time as parents, mothers and fathers, picking our children up after every little thing that's happened to them and patting them on the back and saying that it's going to be okay, putting a Band-Aid over a cut, perking them up when they've had a bad day or something's happened at school and letting them know just over and over again, it's going to be okay, and then we kind of slap them on the back and say, okay, get back out there. You know, that's the job. That's what we do as parents. And when something happens and you don't have that opportunity anymore, 
it's hard not to take that on yourself and just say, what could I have done better? And I think that's something people need to know because I think anybody listening to this, and if you knew the story, the backstory, everything about it, there isn't a single person who would put the blame on the mother here. But the fact of the matter is when something like this happens, there's absolutely no way that a parent isn't going to sit there and say, what could I have done better? And they're going to live with that and they're going to mull that question over and over and over again. And that's because the situation has put us there because this act has put us in that position. That act has put you in that position, Coco. So I can sit here and say, oh, it's not your fault. And I would mean it 100%. But that's not going to change anything that's inside of your heart. That's how deep that wound is. That's how deep that bond is between a mother and a child. And when you take that action, when you end a life, you're directly affecting that, that unbreakable bond. Would I feel a whole lot better if my son would have just died in this crash? Probably. And just just note that he had a really serious car crash about, what, about? A, about it was a year before all this. About a year before like all of this. Like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Like yeah, I think like May or June, right as COVID started. And we think it was within the first couple of months of COVID. Yeah, it was two days before Mother's Day, mm-hmm. 2020. He had a big car crash. It was May of 2020, and then he graduated from face-to-face in June of 2021, and then this occurred in August, late August of 2021. Do you you think this is a life lesson? It is for so many people, for myself as well, for you guys as well. I do feel like it is a life lesson only because you get lessons every day of your life. Every single step that you make is like you're playing a game of chess. So, yes, I do feel like it is a life lesson. I'm a mom that's literally grieving. So, yeah, it is. it's a big lesson for me. It really is. It really is. And it makes me look at life a whole lot differently. It makes me move a little bit differently. It makes me show you guys what life is a whole lot differently. And that's why I'm so hard on you guys. My baby died when he was 18. So... I mean, I I wish I could change a lot, but, you know, there's no explanation for it. But, yeah, there you go. Well, I wonder if it would be good to maybe spend a little bit of time, if you feel up to it, let's maybe talk about the good times with Levante. Okay. Because we talk about this impact, but we haven't really had a chance to talk about who he was as a person. And so why that's did. why uh, I actually gave him his own day, you know, with Vante dying on a Sunday. That's what his day is. It's Vani's Sundays, where everybody just gets together and talk about different memories of him. And, you know, that's when I make his favorite meals. And a lot of kids his age and a lot of kids that do look up to Vante. And I never knew that not just kids. Vante is one of the only kids that I do know that there is a lot of adults out here that look up to him. And, like, I never knew what my son was talking about before he passed when he told me, you're going to see how many people really, really love me. I'd seen a lot. My baby was a sweet, kind boy. Everything about him, I just, I love so much. The conversations we used to have... (laughs) Just him calling me and be like, hey, mom, I was just calling to see how you're doing. What you're doing, beautiful? Like, I can't get that no more. So 
That's why I have so many people get together and come up with all these memories that they really, really do know about Vontae and that they shared with him and stuff like that just to help me get through my days. And knowing my kids are broken behind this whole situation, I feel like everything that gets brought up of Vontae, it makes them feel a whole lot better. I don't know. My baby was a bright kid. He was. Everything that he said he wanted to do, he went and did it. With no hesitation, there was never a second guess of what he wanted to do with his life. He already had it planned. And I remember the first day I asked Monte about this school because he was having a hard time in just a regular school. And I asked him, and I said, Shani, um, that's what I call him. Like, hey, Shani, I was like, uh, you're getting ready to go to high school. This was his last year in Parkway. I said, so what high school you want to go to? He said, Johnson. I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. No offense, Johnson. Yeah. No offense, but no, no, no. He said, well, Hardy, uh, no, 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 no. I said, how about face-to-face? He said, well, what, what the hell is that? I'm like, it's an alternative school, but it's an all-year-round school. That's the school I went to. And he's like, for real, Mom? <laughs> like, yeah, but they probably, it's a little bit more strict than what they used to. And see, what he didn't know at that time, right, <laughs> is he had already been in class at Face-to-Face Academy. Mm-hmm. Because I was pregnant. Yep. He was already a student. He was already a student. And we'd, Coco and I would always joke because Coco would sit in the back of the water room. That's Jennifer's English classroom. It was facing a whole different direction back then. And Coco was in the back of that classroom. And every once in a while, you know, Jennifer would be teaching and you'd hear it. Oh, in the background. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, wait, <laughs> his foot is stuck. <laughs> And I think, I mean, you know, because Levante was such a good student, I mean, we joke around that he knew the answer was kicking mom. He wanted to express exactly what that answer was. Let me tell you something. Ever since I had him, that was his answer to every freaking thing, was to make sure that I have everything situated and I have everything worked out. So when I get ready to go ahead and answer a question, I know exactly how to answer it. (laughs) Because he's always been that person. He's always been that. Even when I was pregnant with him, like, if I didn't know an answer, I'll get a kick in my stomach. Like, Mom, no, you do know it, so won't you answer it? So, like, every time I answer a question wrong, he'll kick me even harder. I'm like, dude, I don't know that damn answer. Like, you stop. (laughs) And now it's like, you know, growing up with him. I had him at a young age. I was 16 when I had him. So growing up with him and being 16 years apart for a moment, it was actually a big challenge, but I loved it. Every single minute of it, I did. I I wouldn't want to grow up with no other kid besides him. Like, me and that boy been through a lot together, and it's so sad. Like, just the little things that he would do, you know, the little things he would say. Like, I literally wish I could call him and be like, Shawnee, can we at least have one of them talks again? Even if I wanted to hear his voice, I'd just go back through his messages and reread all his messages and just crack the hell up because he's just a character. He, he is. He's a funny character, and but it's one thing I do know about that boy. Yeah, one thing I did raise him to do is be respectful. And that was always the case with him, and I think you touched on a lot of his qualities. I think you being a young mom from the very beginning, I think you kind of sensed that. And, I mean, you raised him, but I think you walked by your side the whole entire time to ease that burden a little bit on you, and I think he just had that sense about him. Some people are just born into this earth and they have that sense about them of like, okay, what does everybody need? And I'm going to be able to give a little bit of that of what they need. And that's the way he was here at the school. 
he just had a genuine heart about him and care for every single person in our school community. And, you know, as educators, and especially ones that have done it for a long time and really love doing it, and I'll put myself in that category, I've done this for 22 years, you always find in every student, every person, whether they become a successful student or not, you always find something that you can latch onto and like about them and try to draw out of them regardless of the circumstances. But the thing about Levante is it was easy with him. Every once in a while, instead, you get a student like him who reminds you every day that you're just really lucky to have this job because you get to work with young people like him. And just the manner in which he carried himself day in and day out. I mean, he wanted to graduate, but more importantly, he wanted to learn. He wanted to understand what was happening around him. He wanted to understand the content. It wasn't just about getting the work done, but believe me, he could get the work done. He got it done at rapid pace, but he wanted to really understand that concept. And he really wanted to understand all the people around him. There was always kind of two sides of him. In one way, he was a real big introvert, so it didn't always seem like he was completely tracking everything that was going on, but he wanted to know each person that he was around, get to know them on that level so that he could be there for them and support them. And then on the other hand, he'd have these moments where he was just the funniest dude you'd ever meet. Hilarious. Make me laugh nearly every single day with something he'd say. I mean, the guy was... And it's just a character. And I think every time he walked into the door face-to-face, he brought a smile to everybody's faces. And it's interesting, too, because we have 12, 13 people full-time on this staff, and every single one of them had the same viewpoint towards... Levante, that he was just a joy to have in the classroom and a joy to be a part of the school community. It's just the manner in which he carried himself. And you get to take credit for that. Thanks. You do. I mean, I know he, you know, God sprinkled a little extra. A little extra. He told me the same if he was here. I know he would. He told you that all the time. Stop crying, Mom. You're too beautiful. Shut up. (laughs) But yes, I know. I know. That was actually somebody that I actually looked up to as being his parent. And I wouldn't want it any other way. And they look up to him a lot. I look up to him. And having a son like him, I just, it sucks because I can't get him back (laughs) to where I can show people who the hell he really was. You know, videos and. His writing and stuff that don't show nothing. No, you have to have the Vante experience. You You'd literally have, have to have him face to face with yep. you in order for you to know exactly and how I, I feel. And, and I got that opportunity. And I'm glad, to be honest, I'm glad the whole school of face to face did actually got a chance to know who I love so much. And I'm glad you guys actually got the chance to be a part of that and to know that. I chose y'all as his other family. And I know that at the end of the day, he would want this because he loves you guys. Man, I hear about you guys all the time when it came to him. It, I told him, I don't want to talk about face-to-face no more. I'm tired of talking about it. Just it, Let's talk about something. But, Mom, you really – Darius is my guy, Mom. <laughs> Mom. I was like, boy, no. He's, yeah, he's my guy. <laughs> he's like, he is the homie mom. Like, for real. Like, He's the homie. I'm like, so what about Tim? Oh, he's the homie too, but nothing like Darius. 
I mean, that's the thing. Levante got along with so many different people. He was easy. He calls Darius little bro. <laughs> Everybody's little bro to you. He's he's my guy. <laughs> you know, one of the things when the wound was really tough for me, you know, in those first couple of weeks after we lost him, you know, one of the things is because as an educator, unfortunately, I've gone through this before. I wear a couple of bracelets on my wrist of students that I've lost, and these aren't all of them. All the effort that we had put together, everything that we had been through to get them to graduate in June and then to know that we would lose him two months later. You know, I think there's a part of you who would say, was it worth it? Everything that we've been through just in a single instant for all of that to be taken away. And even in my darkest moments dealing with this loss, I don't deal with it like a mother has to deal with it. But I think about it every day still. But in my darkest moments of of my loss, I could still tell myself every minute, every day that I got to spend with him was worth it because his impact lives on in me and how I want to see myself as a person, as a human being, as a father, as a teacher, as an administrator, as someone who's in charge of a community. His example lives on in my heart. And in my mind, and I wouldn't trade the loss I feel if it meant that I didn't ever get to know him, is what I'm trying to say. How hard that pain is doesn't reach the point where I would say, I just wish I never had to go through that because he had that strong of an impact on me as a person. And so you say you look up to him, I look up to him, and I use that in the present tense. I know he's, he's not here with us on this earth, but I say that in the present tense because he lives on in so much of us and why we do what we do each and every day. Sorry for cutting you up, but what you mean he's not here? Darius, he is here. Well, My no, baby I know, is here. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, what I'm saying is I'm not under any false impressions that yeah. we haven't lost him. And I know, and I feel like he is with us day in and day out. It's different. I feel him every single step I take, every move I make. This little boy is, like, literally on my hip. And I think that's, it helps me out to get through this process because I can hear his little voice, like, Mommy, you can do it. Mom, you can do it. What you going to do today, Mom? Mm -hmm. I love you, Mom. Like, and that's what keeps me going every day is because mm -hmm. I know that if God didn't want me to be a, as close as what he wanted me to be with my children, I don't think that he would have brought my child to come see me again. And, and to be honest, I, I feel like it helps out guides me the right way that I need to be guided because I never had structure. I always had to try to do everything on my own since I was a little girl. And now it's like that structure is actually playing a big part in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And knowing that he's making it a whole lot easier on me to know that I can accomplish so much in life. And I know that if I don't accomplish, he's going to be mad. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's like if I didn't have him or the other four kids that I have, I don't know if I would have been able to even go through all of this. I don't know if I could have just been like, okay, let's put all our feelings to the side. Let's go talk about it. To be honest, I don't think so. I don't even think I would have even be here doing this whole podcast right now only because I feel so weak. I'm like broken. Like every single bone in my body is just broken, just crushed 
and so it took me a few days just to try to come to senses and be like, your daughter's doing this. You have to. So last night before I went to bed, I did talk to my son, and I asked him to guide me through this whole process today only because I knew I couldn't do it. And to be honest, his presence is literally in this room right now, and I feel my baby boy and living each day without him, knowing that I can't see him. Like, this is the longest I have went without talking to him. And to know that he's not here, I feel like he's pushing me to keep going and to prove to the other kids that they're worth it. Every single step of the way, they're worth it because he was. And knowing how bad they're hurt, I feel like we could get through anything and everything together. And knowing that we have a lot of support right now, it's Man, I just never seen this much support ever a day in my life, ever. You know, even after my brother passed away three years ago, still not over that. Yeah. And to have to deal with this all over again, it's tearing me and my brother apart. It really is. And knowing that we have to focus on what today's going to bring and not tomorrow. Right after he passed away, I always worried about what happened yesterday. Now, since he's not here, I have to pick up my big girl panties and be like, look, girl, <laughs> he's not coming back. I literally have to say this to myself, Coco, he's not coming back. Right. So what are you going to do? Because he's not coming back. And you're a grown woman. You're a mom of four now. And that's one thing I know about Vontae. He was never selfish when it came to his siblings. Never. He always wanted me to focus on his siblings than him. He'll call them every day like, What's your grades looking like, me? <laughs> JJ, for real, you're not going to tell me what your grades look like? She's like, oh. They bad right now. They're what? bad. <laughs> He's like, well, you know what you got to have to do with that, right? You have to step it up and get them grades up. I'm like, okay, Dad. <laughs> he was always that type of kid. And, you know, and it's like being a parent and losing him, it messes with me a lot. Knowing that, like I said, with him not being here no more, and I have to come to grips knowing that my son's not coming back. But I have to try to make a change. Because if I don't, then who else is? Right. Who's going to protect them? Right. Who's going to be there telling them, that's not what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. And I feel like with my son being gone, he gave me that strength that I never had. He gave me that power to where I can actually go ahead and be like, look, Mia, friends, forget them. Get this together. You know, and I always bring up to them, like, if Vontae did it, you can do it too. I need all these kids to know that including my kids. I need every single one of these kids to know that when it's all said and done with, your schooling is so important, you know? And to have to circulate yourself around the people that actually care and not the people that you think care because this is what happened with my son. So it's like being a parent of a deceased child, who the hell do you trust? Who do you talk to? Who do you confide in? Who do you feel comfortable with? Are you okay to cry? Are you okay to live on? You know, and I have to be that parent that I've always been and stand and be like, look, Coco, you're stronger than what the hell you think, and this is exactly what you need to do. You need to go ahead and live your life the way he wants you to live it. It's not how everybody else wants you to do it, but this is the right way that you have to teach your other kids that, if you want to show them something positive about it, you have to 
prove to them like this is the steps to go ahead and make a positive effect on your life. And if you don't take it, where are you going to be? And yep. my son's seen this happen. He's seen this happen after his car accident. He's seen his death date. He's seen all of this before this happened. So it's like knowing that he's told me so many times that he was not going to make it for his 18th birthday because it was the truth. But he made it four days after his 18th birthday. So, you know, the day of graduation, I pick him up at 8 o'clock in the morning. He gets in my car, and I look at him, and I said, baby, we made it. He said, yeah, let's see how far we're going to make it now, Mom. What you mean? Because I don't think I'm going to make it to my 18th. No, don't say that, Shawnee. Don't say that. So when his 18th birthday came, he shocked me with that, with his graduation, too, as doing the speech, which I was clearly, like, just confused about it because I'm like, why do you want me to do the damn speech? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, Mom, because, you know, you know me more than anybody, so mm -hmm. I feel like you need to do it and mm -hmm. this, that. But, Mom, I'm not the one that's telling you to do it. Darius is. Okay, I got it. So then, like, the morning of his 18th birthday, I wake up, and I woke up early for a reason. And I called him, and I called him all damn day. And I told him, I was like, happy birthday, son. He's like, thanks, Mom. And then the day of his murder, I talked to him twice that day. And the first time it was at 12.35 p.m., and he video called me. And he's like, Mom, look at who I'm with. And he showed me our old neighbor. He got back on the phone. I was like, can I talk to you? He was like, yeah. I was like, what you doing? He was like, nothing. I was like, well, I miss you. That was the first conversation. The second conversation was 20 minutes before all this. It replays back in my head over and over and over again. Mama, I love you. I'm going to call you back. Because those was the last words. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent that never got a chance to say goodbye. I couldn't even see my son until a week after his death, two days before his funeral. Every single day, knowing that, son of a you couldn't even let me tell my son goodbye before you had to do this. And I always tell myself, if I would have just sat on the phone 20 more minutes, I probably would have witnessed it. Mm -hmm. But maybe with me being on the phone with him, knowing that he was driving, I could have probably prevented it as well by telling him to go a different direction. Because I know the sense of my son. My son's not the type of kid to go ahead and put himself in harm's way. He's the type of kid to get the hell out of that situation. He's the type of kid to get stay away from that situation. That's true. He's not the kid to go ahead and be like, oh, this person is into it. Okay, let me go over here and see what the hell's going on. No, 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 no. My son always avoid drama. Always. And got other people out of drama, too. Always. He was just that kid. He was that kid. Literally, that kid. And I wouldn't change him for nothing. Like, I... I love my boy, and I missed him a lot. It's a lot of things that I really wish he was here to get me out of situations and stuff like that because he was one of the strongest kids that I had. I think it's a really interesting thing that you talk about. Like, I do always feel like in all my dealings with Levante, like he was always on a clock. Like he knew that he had limited time and that he was making the most of that time. And I saw that through things like, he would get involved in every little single opportunity that we ever had of face-to-face, -face, you know, whether it was volunteering, whether it was doing our wilderness and outdoor program. We always talk about his teachers, like he would have three assignments out at the same time, you know, 
and he'd be listening to his teacher too. And so he'd be getting everything done like he was on the clock. And, you know, he graduated when he was 17 years old. And this was after going to face-to-face, going back to Laverne, going to face-to-face, like some real serious interruptions. This was after having a car crash where they told him he wasn't going to walk again. That lasted three weeks, and he was walking again. But he had all these really impactful things that would have – he had a seizure at school. He had another medical (laughs) incident at school. Like there were all these things, and yet – and yet – this kid graduated when he was 17 years old, and he was always on the clock. In fact, my very last conversation with him as an advisor, I said to him, you know, there's a lot on your plate. You're working full time. You're helping out. You know, you're helping out with Lena and Lena's family. You're helping out with your mom and your family. It's okay if this takes you a little bit longer, right? And I really felt like we had been kind of working to this moment of just like June ain't going to happen. That's okay. We'll do it in December. You're going to be fine. You're, you're a straight A student, but these extra projects that you have to get done in order to graduate in June, it's not going to happen. That's okay. And he sat back, typical Levante grin, and he said to me, what'd you say? And I said, it's okay if you don't graduate in June of 2021. And he goes, say that date again. I said, June of 2021. And he said, you know, I was sitting back in my kindergarten class. This is Levante saying this. I remember in my kindergarten class, my teacher looked at all of us, and he said, look at all of you right there. You're the class of June 2021 in kindergarten. And he held on to that, and he held on to that timeline. He goes, so I'm going to get this done. And he did. But I know he always felt like he was on borrowed time all the time. And I think he felt that in particular after his car crash, that he was on borrowed time and that he may not get to see 18. And he did. And he, he did. got And he got four more days after that. And what I look back at is that he knew he was on borrowed time. He was going to get as much done as he possibly can. And he was going to impact as many people. He was going to say, okay, Darius, I'm going to give you a little bit of me. To mom, I'm going to give you a little bit of this. To me and to his other siblings, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you all of me while I'm here. That's one thing I realized about him, you know, ever since he was like 10, he wrote this list out of what he wanted to do when he was older. One of them was to go to the army and um, buy me a big house. I don't have to struggle again. I always told him, like, your options of what you want to do when you get older might change. So when he got older and when he got hit, like, 15, 16, I asked him, I said, you still want to be in the Army? No, Mom, I think I changed that. <laughs> so what you want to do? I don't know. And that was his mind. He just did not know what he wanted to do after school. He didn't know after he got done finishing school because he didn't have that already situated. But when he was getting ready to graduate, he always told me, he called me one day, and he's like, Mom, I swear I don't think I'm going to make it. Mom, I, I don't think so. I was like, well, why, Sean? He was like, well, because I'm behind my credits. You know, it's a lot of stuff I'm behind right now because of that car accident. I'm like, Shani, me being your mom, I'm going to tell you like this. If you put your mind to it, everything will work out. You just have to have faith, and you have to believe in yourself. Because I know you're going to get it done. So June 10th, I will be at the graduation. <laughs> he said, well, Mom, how are you going to just give me a day? I was like, ask Darius. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, he's asked Darius. He's like, when's graduation? 
because he texts me and he's like, he was in school and I was like, why the hell are you texting me and you're in school? He's like, no, it's very important, mom. I gotta tell you. I was like, okay, okay well, what is it? He was like, I graduate June tenth. I said, yay! I told you, I told you, and he's just super excited. Smiling from ear to ear, just very, very excited because he's always looked forward towards graduation ever since he was a little boy. He's always looking forward towards it. And and since he made it, I never seen my son so happy ever until he got his diploma. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I was like, this is one of your accomplishments. Now we just got to figure out where is this going to take you? And... That's when he kept on telling me he didn't know. And that's, that's the chapter of his life that we got robbed to figure out because there's so many great things that he could have done. And that's just something that, you know, that we never get to get back. And he always told me, too, you know, ever since he was younger, and you probably remember this. When I turned 18, Mom, I'm not moving out. <laughs> Shawnee, what the hell you mean you're not moving out? Mom, you're stuck with me. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> But what if you have a girl? Oh, she's coming to stay in the house, too. No, the hell, no, no. <laughs> See, this is what we're not going to do. No, 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 no. Lena, I'm sorry. I love you, but you're not living with me. <laughs> That's not how I don't care what your man talking about, but this is not the plan. <laughs> and, and Lena is a longtime girlfriend of Levante, friend Demia. And you'll hear her on a couple of pods, too. So That's my sweetheart. She's just like another daughter to me. Mm-hmm. And I make this very clear to her every single time I talk to Lee. And, I, like, I tell her, you know, if Vontae didn't want you around me or around my family, he would have never brought you around my family. And But he brought you around my family for a reason, because he loved you that much. And I felt some type of way. I did. <laughs> I did. Is this the point of the podcast? I did. Or? I Mom's like, so. you're taking my, my baby boy from me? I, is I that, did. Is that, I, is that, have we reached that point in the I podcast? Swear, I swear. I, I did. See, my, I, I feel some type of way. And I told Shani, I said, baby, you know I feel some type of way, right? He's like, why, Mom? I said, because you got a girlfriend now. He was like, oh, Mom, come on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you're gone now. Mm-hmm. Like, Mine's so, 11, so I haven't had to confront that. So you, turned, you, you have one that's a little older, so though. When so he turned 15, he had begged me and begged me begged me and begged me to stay down here and he promised he would get his schooling done. He would promise he's going to stay out of trouble. And he promised he going to do everything that he wanted to do. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. Okay. Going to keep you to your word and you just do that. And he did just that. Every single thing he promised, he got it done. Regardless if he didn't want to come to school, he still came and got this done. He still walked across the stage and got his diploma. He still did everything that he promised me he was going to do all the way up until his death date. And it's crazy because he was actually looking forward to seeing me that Thursday. And it was, you know, the last conversation we had was, are you excited? It's like, yeah, I can't wait to see y'all. I miss y'all. And... Now it's like, like I said, that last conversation, it just replays and replays. Sometimes I do feel like I want to pick up the phone and call him. And he's, you know, but he's, he's brought all these people who cared about him into your orbit, you know, that 
even if we can just take a tiny bit of that burden off your shoulders. I mean, he's brought all these people who deeply love him. That's just who he was. Mia, you brought in two people who talk a lot. Your mom and I. (laughs) We've had lots of talks. We can fill the airspace. But this is your podcast. So when you listen to all this, I guess, kind of giving you the final word here. How do you want to wrap this up? What are you taking away from all of this? I don't know. One thing I can say about my brother is that he was a young person with, like, an older person's mindset, you know? Mm -hmm. He's not like how these other people are. He'll tell you about life, like, dead serious about it. What she trying to say is he's grown in half of these grown men out here. Mm-hmm. He has a mindset to where if he tells you something, he meant business. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> like if he tells you something and it was something he really wanted to tell you, he literally meant business, especially when it came to school. He meant business. He did not care. He's not going to watch you guys just ruin your life. He's not going to watch no kid ruin their life right now. And he was that counselor, that guidance counselor, Mm. to where he will sit you down and tell you exactly how the hell he feels. And you take it, you run with it. Most of these kids will take his word into consideration. Some of these kids will just look at him and be like, oh, you're just bullshit. But really, Mm -hmm. you're not. And if you really sit down and have this conversation with my son, my son will look at you and be like, this is my plans and this is how it's going to be. It's either you like it or you don't. I don't care. I don't live for you. I live for myself. Mm -hmm. That was just the type of person he was. And he was always accomplished. He always wanted to accomplish so much in life. And out of 18 years, my baby could accomplish way more than half of these kids. And you make good use of the time. And it's crazy because, you know, you don't see kids making it to 18 or graduation. Because there's a lot of families out here setting up funerals for their children because their children can't get that opportunity to go ahead and walk across that stage and show their parents exactly what they came to do. And my son was one of them kids. And I can pat myself on the back for that for being the strongest mom that I ever possibly can be. And guide my son and the rest of my kids the right way and I don't play around when it comes to my parents and it's one thing I don't do I don't well I'm never going to accept the fact my kids will be failures because that won't happen it's you're going to push yourself and I always tell my kids I don't care if you don't go to college just graduate move on so you can do something better with yourself and not have to worry about Ten years down the line, oh, damn, I even got my high school diploma. Let me go ahead and try to get this GED. No. That's why I push my kids and I push every other kid now to do better and get their schooling done. So I have to be that parent to go ahead and be like, look, Jermaine, running the streets is not going to get you nowhere. Get your ass in school. Or Bradley, your mom's not going to tell you this, but I am. And this is what it is. Get your ass to school. And that's just the type of parent I am. I want these kids to make it. I want these kids to understand that this is real life. You're not going to make it if you don't have your high school diploma. That high school diploma will get you everywhere in life. So, yeah, with all the kids that's listening to this, please take it into consideration. And I love you guys. That's good. I think that's a great way to end. Any last comments or questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but 
and I love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. There we go. You're there welcome. we go. I love you too. Have a good day.